podcast, The Final Frontier. These are the conversations of the friendship Matt Myra and Andrew Secunda. Their continuing mission. To seek out old adventures with contrived civilizations. To boldly watch episodes that one of them has watched before. Hey everybody, welcome to Star Trek The Next Conversation. As you know, it is the best Star Trek podcast ever created in the history of humans. Uh, glad to be here, as always. I'm Matt. I'm Andy. Oh, All of myself doing what I'm doing here. Stop it, Kira. You didn't even play from the right point. How dare you? That's a classic Kira move. And I want to know the reason why. Well, Keiko, I don't know. Also, I don't know what to make of the end of this episode. <laughs> you do drink coffee? I don't either! <laughs> what does that mean? Uh, looking forward to getting into that. What are you telling us, Star Trek writers? It is okay. such a weird ending. Um, let's see. That was more like a... What is that? That's like a... Um, It was like a sitcom button, but like. Well, that's what I was gonna say. You know, it had the feeling. Go finish your point. No, it was just it just it just felt so out of place. It had it was like a sitcom button, or I was gonna say it's like one of those TOS Star Trek. Oh, Spock, boy, yeah, they're gonna want a piece of our action. Except there was no joke, and you don't know what they're saying. It's real weird. Well, you know. Not as weird as our show is, which means are we gonna do to polls or should we tell them if they should watch the episode first? We got some to polls. If it's important to you to know the thoughts of the crew, you gotta take it to poll. If a marshmallow tiff makes you wonder what if, you gotta take it to poll. Take a poll. Uh, regarding season two, episode twelve, the alternate. Um, the polls are in. Uh, Matt and I give it a collective three point seven five. I give it a four point five. Matt gave it a three. IMDb way higher, six point seven. And mm. Patreon gave it a uh, also higher than us, considerably higher. I would say five point four. Uh, majority voted for a six. Thirty percent. That is like when it doubles us. That's pretty high. So that's crazy. It is. I don't know what you guys saw that we didn't, but we're right and you're wrong. Thanks for participating. Glad we worked it out. Let's see what happens this coming week. First, we'll tell you if you should watch it. Andy, would you have them watch this episode? I guess. Nice. Matt. Would you have them watch this episode? If you're bored, go for it. What I'm saying is, like, don't go out of your way. Uh, you definitely know? don't go out of your way. If you like, got a, if you're just like, I'm gonna pick a random, a good episode. Don't, don't. This isn't it. Yeah. 
But if you've like already seen all those random good episodes in the last day and a half, then and you're like, yeah, sure. you know what? I want to see one of those ones that everybody keeps telling Andy is the origins of uh, Bashir and O'Brien's great later relationship. Um, is yeah, it? you can watch this. I mean, I guess it is. I suppose. Are you questioning whether it's a great later relationship or whether it's an origin? No, it's a great. It is a. It is an enjoyable later relationship, but yeah. You don't feel like this is it. this is an important piece. I of guess it. it is. I guess it is. So in that context, you're welcome. All right, technical kerfuffle, unkerfuffled. God, I'm like I'm really having a time over here. Yeah, what's going on? I don't know. Everything's like uh, ah. Mercury in retrograde. It feels it like it. Out? You know, really does. I'm just like a technical disaster everywhere I look. Everything I do is like nope, nope. Mercury is not in retrograde. I just looked at it. Well, then everything's a mess uh, for some reason, and I don't know what it is. All right. Well, I, I, was, I, was, I was certain it was the orbit of the first planet. <laughs> <laughs> certain that had an effect on me. <laughs> um, anyway, yes, their relationship is great. Is this the origin of it? I guess I hadn't really thought about it like that. So I suppose yeah. in, like a, in like a Bashir... O'Brien box set, this would be in it. I guarantee you. Yeah. yeah. But I feel like... So I guess in be, that sense, you have to watch it. You know what? I might be, even in this conversation, swinging back to, no, you don't have to watch it, because the more... I would be more of a of a Keiko O'Brien grounding, because in terms of this relationship, I, I feel like where I'm going to land is just like, I don't, I don't want these guys to be friends. I don't like one of them. <laughs> um, well. So I guess we'll see. Even after, never mind. Whatever, we'll talk about this. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. It's now, now it's the time to talk about Star Trek. We got to talk about Star Trek. So <laughs> let's uh, go to the Admirals Club. <laughs> go to iTunes, leave a five-star review, and join the Admirals Club. Matt, how do they get into the Admirals Club? Leave a five-star review of us wherever you can. Uh, I guess wherever the written word is accepted. Yeah. Ooh, that's a good widening. Um, here's an example. Uh, J.J. Carter, uh, who on the... Um, oh, I'm sorry. I hope I'm not outing you. It doesn't say... Don't say your real name. Uh, who on the on the Patreon is Lieutenant Where Does Riker Empty His Spit Valve. Um, Jigs hell, up, Carter. We knew it was you. Says, can't load upload screenshots on Patreon. Oh, my submission gets me in that sweet, sweet buffet. Um, and so... JJ sent a thing and I was like I'm not sure what this is um, because it said at the top connected to suck it Trebek which which is like so JJ says this was and, and then at the bottom is the good review which says uh, Star Trek TNC five stars best Star Trek podcast in the galaxy and it's like one of the many um, sort of chat things people are are sort of writing in this I don't know if it's a forum and I was like I can read this, JJ. I don't know what it is. And then JJ wrote back, this was actually a wisecrack live stream on YouTube. There are a bunch of philosophers that talk about how modern media relates to philosophy, like Rick and Morty and nihilism. Love you both. Hope you're feeling better. So, I mean, good job. Again, acceptable place to write it. A thousand percent. So, thank you. And, and then... The, enjoy the new buffet. And then uh, Neil Studd, also uh, one of our, our fine uh, Patreon crew, uh, really up the ante here. Neil Studd, a.k.a. Norris's Pieces, um, 
says, hopefully I can secure a place in the Admirals Club for being the first person to put a five-star review in a published book. The book, mm. which I just published, is called Finding Mojovation. Uh, it's with Mojovation. And is uh, available on Amazon. And he, you know what? Neil Stead said, Stud said, no need to plug the book on air, but I'm doing it anyway because he's been a longtime supporter and he's a good guy. Um, here's what he wrote. I'm assuming this is in the forward unless it's part of the main book, which probably would oh i see the by the way matt i don't he didn't even mention it he's got a bunch of the original bond books right behind this wow um so it says last but not least i need to give a hearty recommendation to the star trek the next conversation noted <laughs> podcast um matt meyer and andrew Skunda tangentially talk about all things track while actually stealthily stealthily recording uh, a podcast about food, Andy's love life, screenwriting, Frank Sinatra, and the 90s music charts. Yes. Five stars. Secunda. Uh, and then he has a footnote, which is hilariously our, our art 19 <laughs> source of, uh, I love it. of our podcast. Uh, thank you, Neil. Um, and I, you know what? I looked at, uh, I took a little gander at uh, finding mojova- Mojovation um, in, the, in the thing. Uh, here it is, and it's um, how to cre- finding motivation, how to create contentment in your work and personal life. It really feels like you and I could uh, benefit from it. So, uh, Neil, if you could just uh, record your own audiobook of it and then uh, send it to me, I will buy it because I probably won't. Read how it much do you pay for that? <laughs> it's a lot of effort. Hmm. Yeah, but then he'll have his own that he could sell to the you know everybody else. <laughs> oh, I see. So you're kind of like it's you're like a seed capital. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, all right. Uh, Wander all uh, her is uh, says uh, best quarterly podcast. They release a podcast in parallel to the interest rate hikes. I mean. I can't substantiate that, but I bet if you looked it up, we probably do line up with that. I wonder if we cause it. Look, we're 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 bi monthly. Um, and then the last Admirals Club admittee is uh, a true lie. Uh, who who uh, who? The title is the best Star Trek podcast. Mm-hmm. I found this podcast a few months ago, and I instantly fell in love with it. Matt and Andy do a great job at keeping it interesting and fun. I enjoy the long episodes and the shenanigans that always ensue. I'm a longtime fan of all things Star Trek. and enjoy the recaps and critiques from Matt and Andy. Keep up the good work. You know, well, accept a straight-ahead one, too. Straight-ahead. Enjoy the club. Five stars. Welcome. That's it now for the Admiral's Club. Later. And that was the Admiral's Club. Ah, yes, President Circle, patreon.com forward slash Star Trek TNC. Please support the show. It is uh, still my only job, and I need you all to support the show. Uh, support us at the President Circle level, and not only do you get uh, access to this fine section of the podcast and Priority One messaging, but you will also get yourself a bunch of other episodes every month 4,000 hours of content 
probably. Yeah. Uh, and then on top of that, look, maybe you'll get a Christopher Pike Medal of Valor, which is not a real medal. It's just a verbal thing. Uh, but accept it and enjoy it. Who's getting it this week? This week, it's to Jeffrey's hologram all the way down. A reference to the new Star Trek short short. Oh, have you seen these, Matt Matthew? No. There's some new animated Star Trek shorts that are sort of mostly in the style of uh, the animated series, um, not uh, mm-hmm. Lower Decks, but the original. And uh, but it it spans across the various treks and um and uh i was, will say a couple of them are real baggers they're real they're real fun some of them are not but most of them are um high praise so from you w- worth checking out uh okay so jeffrey's hologram hails us um i know andy may have to run it to paul to decide to do this, but I think he should now change his Patreon name to Andy, father of Tipol. I may have to get on that. Um, I don't know what uh, of a full vote of yes would then would I have to change my name legally to that? Is that what that's suggesting? Yes, <laughs> that's that's going to be a lot of paperwork. Uh, but here's the main reason I put I gave Jeffrey the um, the Christopher Pike Medal of Valor. He did a lot of work here. Um, he says, any st- statisticians, of which we have a couple, feel free to correct. Just want to let you know, as of this episode, Andy and Matt have covered 53.06% of available Trek content, <laughs> which equates to 365.9 hours, 5.2 days covered so far. Total Trek adds up to 689.55 hours which is 28.7 mm-hmm. days. The breakdown covered um, uh, the original series, 0%. The animated series, 0%. TNG, 100%. Uh, DS9, 18.23%. That's interesting. It's only 18.23%. I guess that makes sense. Voyager, ooh, we're already at 47.75%. That's nice. Enterprise, 66 Point four to seven percent. Yeah, Discovery hundred percent. Picard hundred percent. Strange New Worlds hundred percent. Mm-hmm. Movies zero percent. Mm-hmm. I'm saving them for our live shows that we're definitely going to do someday. Um, lower decks ten point nine seven percent. Wow, they've really produced a lot of content since we've abandoned them. Um, this is dumb. Oh, Prodigy. <laughs> I was going to say, there's a Star Trek show, but I can't figure out what the probe is referencing to. Uh, Prodigy, 0%. Shorts uh, slash others, 68.31%. That must have been a pain in the ass, Jeffrey's hologram, to calculate that one. For anyone that would like, I have an Excel sheet uh, that will tell you how much of Trek you have gotten through. Wow. There you go. You did a lot of work on that. Thank you love for it. A, I love a good Excel formula, you know. You had a Christopher Pike Medal of Valor for your troubles. Congratulations. Let's hit the priority one messages. Let's do it. Here we go. Captain, incoming priority message. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. All right. Priority one messages. Here they are. Everyone talking about that episode where... Odo turns into a monster for some reason? Okay, continue. Yeah. Um, 
John Zhu says, this is one of the least enjoyable DS9 episodes for me. So I guess he was more on our page. For all the reasons discussed on the podcast, in a later season, they will take a second, much more satisfying crack at exploring the Odo-Mora relationship. And I've always thought of that as what the writers would have done with this episode if they had the time to tear up the script and start over. Mm. Um... Yes, other people had mentioned that later episode. I look forward to it. Um, the problems of the ultimate trekkers don't amount to a hill of beans in this crazy world. Hail us. This is in reference to a Latinum question that has been raised recently um, because Nog said he was shaving the Latinum. Liquid, Latinum is liquid. It is pressed into gold as an alloy. It's not like a gusher's fruit snack. Um, oh, that's what I was thinking. Someone could shave the latinum. However, someone like Quark would be smart enough to weigh it to make sure that a slip or bar was still a full slip or bar. Mm. But by the same token, it might just be part of Ferengi culture that their currency is almost always shaved a bit and is just part of the business. I feel like that last thing is probably true. But I also am glad that it's not like a gusher because that's a little sillier. Although I guess more alien. <laughs> sure. I like gushers. I miss them. It also would be fun to see one crack open and the and the latinum spill on the floor and Quark lose his mind. Uh, and then Odo kind of mixes with it accidentally, and then Quark is obsessed with getting it out of Odo. Mm. That's my that's my spec script that I just wrote for DS9. <laughs> Am I hired? David S. The homework stealing Vulcan says headcanon for Odo's quote eyes in a liquid state I would presume his outer layer has photoreceptive properties and he was able to perceive his surroundings but in his Odo humanoid state perhaps he is attempting to mimic humanoids and live as a humanoid and has concentrated his photoreceptors to eye like organs which would then allow others to get the jump on him or the writers were lazy and hadn't thought out the Odo character bible sheet and didn't work out how a liquid shape shifter would work yeah probably that um I will say if it is the first thing while that is a reasonable explanation for why he, people can sneak up on him this goes back to my fucking why isn't Superman acting like Superman <laughs> what, you're the fucking head of security if you could see everywhere at once you should allow yourself to see everywhere at once sure <laughs> um Tess says simply, Melty Odo is icky. So I guess kudos to the makeup people. And then David Oni Rall uh, adds to this. Also, the Greek in me would really like to refer to him in this state as Uzo. <laughs> Do you process it, Matt? Do you get it? I assume it's a reference to Orzo. Uh, it's Uzo. I think there is a there's a drink called Uzo that oh. is alcohol. Well, there you go. Look, I'm like you. I've never been to Greece, so. Um, I really. How can I you really, expect me to get it? I'm not fucking cosmopolitan traveled like you. I'm like a citizen of the world. That's the way I like to think of myself. Um, Kobayashi Maru, the perpetual snarf, says Prodigy was picked up by Netflix. Rejoice. Happy closed eyes emoji face. And then, is the one like this, is that like, we bow to you, or is it like, thank you? 
and it has the little, little it's like the two hands up and then the little three things what would you say that is anyway there are three of those I always thought of it as celebratory celebratory as though someone were putting their hands in the air like they just don't care oh I didn't know if it was like a we bow to you kind of Wayne's world you think um, but I guess they work either way Denise from New York says Andy I would argue that we are worthy of Prodigy being on Netflix <laughs> I mean who isn't <laughs> I am more and more interested in, in Prodigy all the time based on what our crew says. So Go ahead. Take a swing. Oh, God. You don't have to be doing the podcast to watch Star Trek. I watch it all the time on my own. Well, where we last left it was you said, watch a couple, and if you feel like we should do it, then we'll do it. That was yeah. the last thing you said. And? And I haven't been around watching it. Exactly. It's no longer on CBS All Access. It's no longer on Paramount+. Plus. Did you know that? It, they pulled it. You it, can't watch it anywhere now. Yeah, but it was picked up by Netflix. Rejoice. Yeah. It's not not available on Netflix right now. Well, when it is, then I'll watch the first two and we'll decide. All right, great. Denise from New York says, Andy, just watch Clone Wars in the Order on D+. You know, Denise, I've heard counter thoughts to that who said that they fucked up the order. They changed around the whole order. And so, like even uh, other crew. So, I don't know. Anyway, uh, Denise says, it's got some amazing multi-episode mini arcs and also some stinkers. Stinkers. The weird thing about it is that some of it is for kids and some of it is very much for adults or at least teens. But it's all mixed up together. But some of the kids stuff is fun too. I watched it all, followed by Rebels, while working on paintings in my studio so I could tune in and out per my interest. Where CW ends up, though, is a really interesting and sometimes very beautiful and moving finale that I was so glad that I stayed for. Um, Well, that's nice. Um, Yeah, it's definitely... It already had some that was like, oh, this is kind of cool, and the visuals are cool, and they have, like, real space battles, and then other ones, exactly like you say, I'm just like... What am I watching? Is this a kids show? What is it? Um, although the movie, which I watched first, was good. This all, I don't know, it came up because I was watching this, but also I was like, should I do a to, to spare match? Should I do a, a sub stack? But some people thought I would write little things. I was like, no, I meant little mini reviews on like, hey, this is what I just watched. Here's how I feel about it. The end. I don't know if that would be of interest to anybody. Um, but I feel like, as Matt is constantly pointing out, I'm going to really watch this by myself and not discuss it with anyone. It feels like a waste of time. Have you seen... Go ahead. I mean, it's just it's what it is sometimes. Sometimes you got to consume content for yourself. <laughs> I can only do that with movies. That's not fair. I can do that with TV shows. But Clone Wars feels like it's... I'm going to have to get over an obligation hump to get to the good stuff in that one. If that makes any sense. Uh, I mean, it makes sense in the sense of, you know, a lot of TV shows only get good in the whatever season, you know. Um, This is a dumb question. You've seen Phantom Menace. Yeah, of course. You've seen all the all the prequels. Nine times in the movie theater. Yes, I saw Phantom Menace. What? I saw it nine times in the theater. Jeez. The movie I've seen by far the most in a movie theater. You Phantom loved Menace. it? Well, I was so thirsty for Star Wars at the time that the fact that there was a fucking big screen lightsaber fight that I could see, and it was the summer I was like 16 and could like get to the movie theater on my own. Yeah. 
and it was air conditioned in there. Really, really turned up the uh, repeat viewings. Yeah, I saw it nine times in the theater. See, even the statement "I was so hungry for Star Wars" surprises me. So, were you just turned off over time, or you just put all your chips on Star Trek? Mean? I feel, I feel like you've always been kind of a, kind of a, sort of just a- obligatory nerd Star Wars watcher. Like you didn't never really have been that into it. That's patently false. Oh wow! I had wow. the first Qui Gon Jinn lightsaber released. So was, you, w- I was a big supporter of the Phantom Menace. <laughs> Somebody can tell us when in our five years we've already had this conversation. But yeah, why? Like three years ago is my guess. Go ahead. That, that seems right. So were you? You were more of a prequels guy than a. I know no. they're not called prequels. Whatever you call them. Um, than an original trilogy guy. You were no, original, trilogy, original guy. trilogy guy. Yeah, I saw those in the theater plenty of times too, but not nine. Huh. That 97 re-release was a big deal for me. And you were more of a Qui-Gon guy than an Obi-Wan guy. I was a Qui-Gon guy more so than a Padawan Obi. I did not care for the Padawan Obi. Because <laughs> Myra doesn't want to be the Padawan. That's Secunda. <laughs> no, I, was um, like, I was like, I don't like that rat tail. Well, that's fair. It's a terrible haircut. Pass. Get me a long, get me a get me a beautiful beard and some nice long hair. That's why my favorite version of Obi Wan is the Obi Wan in the series, Obi Wan, because his hair is longer and he's got a beard. But he's also young and yeah, and well, feral. medium. He's medium. Well, he's not. He's not uh, Alec Guinness. Who, who who among us is? You know. Well, thankfully, neither of us yet. <laughs> Uh, Jeffrey's hologram also says, having been born with hearing issues, which delayed my speak development and dysgraphia, which is dyslexia for the hands. Oh my goodness. That sounds like a real pain in the ass. Honestly, uh, I have relatives that treat me how Mora treats Odo. When I graduated college, it was, Oh, I'm so impressed that someone with your disadvantages managed to graduate. And even, wow, you were able to say that so well. I'm always surprised that you can speak so well. I feel Odo's annoyance. And look at you now, Jeffrey. I'm about to do the same thing. I was about to do the You're same gonna thing. You're going to write it a podcast with both hands. <laughs> I was going to say it. wrote a book. This is the same guy that wrote the book. Oh, wait, no. This is the same guy that calculated all the things. Mm-hmm. The other guy was Neil Studd. Um, so he didn't write a book. Get on it. Come on, fucking... You, you got over your problems. I'll do the reverse of what your brothers were doing. I'll blame you for not accomplishing more. Um, let's see. I lost my place because even though I have no mental dysfunction or issue, I still can't operate like a normal person. Um, Andy the astrophysicist said, Wait, did Odo say in this episode that he has DNA? That surprises me. And then Lieutenant Commander Molay, Historical Archives Division, uh, clarifies it as distinctly negative attitude. Ah. I should have warned you that it needed some kind of a sound effect for that one. Um, Dan Man Mountain. I think it's Dan Man Mountain. It's Dan Man MTN. Am I saying that wrong, Dan? Oh, Andy, you are such a human. Odo isn't... Am I saying that right, Matt? Is that how they do it? Yeah, I mean, if you're trying to say it like a Ferengi from, you know. Yeah. 
Odo isn't running around naked. He's only naked when he's in liquid form. When he's Constable Odo, he is a clothed humanoid. And as far as his vision goes, yes, he can perceive the world around him in liquid form in every direction, it seems. But when he's taking the form of a humanoid, he sees through the eyes. Why? Because he is becoming that thing, not just looking like it. I'm not going to spoil anything, but the experience and philosophy of shape-shifting will be discussed later in the series. So the so idea... when he became a glass... He should have never become anything else because a glass is unaware of anything around it. Oh, good point, Matt. Turned into a glass and then stayed a glass. Good point. He's not going to know when to bust Ferengis. <laughs> just to just to play headcanon uh, roulette or whatever. Um, uh, just to play headcanon, I guess, would be the game. Or wouldn't you wouldn't add roulette to it. Couldn't he have like made his brain or cogn- cognizance like that's the bottom of the glass hidden in the bottom of the glass but the top of the glass is just a glass not according to what we're being told well with the eye thing it feels like they're saying he doesn't also I think somebody else had said maybe it's later on he doesn't have organs he's sort of doing the outside so with the eye thing he's just somehow limiting himself is this theory to the eyeballs are the only things that can see. So theoretically, he can decide which parts are Odo essence and which parts are the actual thing. He can Fine. decide that. Like, so like, like if, um, you, if he took yeah. the shape of a humanoid but decided that humans would be better served if they could see out of their butts, then that would be what he would do. I think that's what they're saying with the eye thing. Cool. I don't. I, I, that's a theory, though. That's headcanon. That's not a. Other than uh, uh, what I'm trying to understand here is 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 uh, what Dan Man Mountain saying that like Odo is wearing clothes because those are actually the genet- that those are actually clothes when he's when he's created when he's qu- formed his essence into clothes they're actually clothes is that what I'm being presented here. That is, I believe, what he's saying, yes. Which I think... You're I think that, questioning I think that's that. false. I think that's right. false. There you go. There's always a lot of opinions about each of the aliens. Um, I look forward to your hails. Nicholas McGray says... I know you've told me how to pronounce it. I don't remember. Sorry, Nicholas. Why does... Oh, I think I can do this. Uh, I, can't, I, don't know, I don't know if I can do the Massachusetts voice, but I'm going to try and do the voice. Why does Dr. Creepy Dad tell Odo something like constable, a term of endearment you're not comfortable with? It's his job title. They're not calling him Odo Bear. They're calling him his rank, essentially. What a weird line. Constable Nick Bear from Massachusetts. That was pretty good. (laughs) Thank you. I think that was well worth the uh, time. I think that was good. Very good. Um... Maybe, uh... Hang on, hang on, hang on. I'm sorry. Yeah, I should have absolutely. Andy's accent <laughs> corner. It's gonna be shit. It wasn't. It was pretty good. Oh, great. Now, are you saying just the the characterization was good, or you're saying no, the, e- even... the a- flat impression of Nick. I gotcha. But not, you're, not, you're not complimenting the, uh, the Massachusetts uh, skills, skills of it. Well, I mean, Nick's from Massachusetts, so apparently, I guess you'd have to say you're doing a pretty good Massachusetts. Oh, fantastic. Um, Let me see. Uh, 
uh, uh, uh, uh, hey, Nick, Nick, maybe maybe read it, send it in as a voice hail, and then uh, maybe STTNC clips can uh, can do us a clip of that, and then we'll play it side by side in the next one. We'll see where see how I see how I did. Uh, Alfredo says, "Aren't you excited to learn more about?" This is a quote. Aren't you excited to learn more about Odo's mysterious backstory? Too bad. Here's a monster episode. <laughs> that should have been the first review. Adam H. says, I really appreciate the way that Cisco treats his staff. When Odo asks to borrow a shuttle, he first says yes, indicating he trusts Odo, then asks why. A worse captain would first ask why, then give permission. However, Cisco's approach conveys his respect. Uh, that's true. I, did, I sort of did notice that. I noticed it too. I think I Absolutely. noticed it because he seems like someone who would be, who A, would want to be plugged in, but B, would sort of be like, what are you using the runabout for? Oh, shuttle. Is a shuttle a runabout? Or is it different? The runabout's I mean, bigger. Runabouts are big. But a runabout can be a shuttle. Runabouts. Can't. Sorry if I'm no, putting you on the spot. Runabouts are a different class. Okay. I mean, they call you know. There's like type two shuttle pods and type four shuttlecraft and runabouts. Oh, there you go. I apologize for putting you on the spot. No, it's not on the spot. It's just like semantics. Semantics. Semandies. <laughs> Andy Adams. CMO Shuttlecraft, appropriately Shuttlecraft USS Janolin says, uh, well, 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 we finally get to meet the jackass who let Odo keep unknown sample, the translation of Odo Etal, as his name. Serious, I didn't know that. Seriously, though, I thought they did an excellent job with Dr. Mora Paul. Uh, I won't spoil things for Andy, but we do see Dr. Mora again in another excellent character episode. I agree with Matt. They should not have just beamed up this giant stone obelisk from the planet. They could more easily study it by taking images and making a hologram out of it. That being said, I think the whole thing of making alternate Odo, unbeknownst to Odo, but known to us, the creature trying to protect the other one from Dr. Mora was brilliant. As an aside, apologies tendered to the crew. I was presumptuous by putting Captain in my name. I contacted Starfleet, and I am now the telehollow CMO on the shuttlecraft USS Janolin, even though I'm only there uh, as a hologram. It's got to be the roomiest shuttle I've ever seen. I don't know if you're CMO. In, in, in TNC language, you're a lieutenant. Well, I mean, also the Janolin was a full starship. It just happened to use the same model as the shuttle from Star Trek VI. Interesting. Because if you look at the Janolin, it had some modifications done to it when it's impacted on the surface of the Dyson Sphere. In my favorite episode of Star Trek, Relics, uh, it has a bridge dome. And a transporter room and a staff. So it's like... It's 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 portraying a starship there. That model that is SVC one three SVC one seven, which is the shuttle vehicle that uh-huh. delivers Kirk and crew to space to the Enterprise. Yeah. In Star Trek six, 
They took that model, they turned it upside down, they slapped on two big warp nacelles, and then put a bridge dome on the top. This is a cool-looking ship. The Genoa one? I think so. I think this is the kind of thing that I would want. And I, granted, I haven't really had any experience with the Defiant yet, and I know that's in my future. I'm not but crazy, like, but that's I'm talking about the correct ship, right? That's the that's the Scotty ship. I don't remember if it's Scotty ship, but it is. It's sort of flat and small, and has two nacelles on either side, yeah. or has one nacelle on either side. Um, there you go. And lastly, Lieutenant Jeffy. Uh, hails us uh, when someone replicates a cup of tea or coffee the replicator also makes a mug my question is what happens to all these mugs I feel like there's got to be like a recycling bin that people just toss shit crap into right you've got they just go you put them back on the replicator and it just gets popped back into the system as soon as you're done with your meal yeah, just gets and re- you put your uneaten food and all that yes, crap in there too. Yeah. Yeah, that's gonna be yeah. I wonder, I wonder if a janitor's job is easy on on DS nine or easier, or it's harder because who knows all the weird stuff those various aliens are leaving behind. Hmm. Um, that's it for the priority one message circle. Correct. We'll now head to the hallway. Captain, we are being hailed. We have a voice hail from Joe from South Dakota. Uh, it's been mostly Joe from South Dakota, so just remember we have that uh, that voice hail thing if anybody wants to send it in. I know sometimes I'm a little bit strict if it goes to like, you know, like a minute is really what we want to aim for is what I say. Matt has oh disputed gosh. that. But sometimes Stop. it's just sort of like I can Stop. feel Matt Stop. There's a three minute. There's a three-minute limit. Yeah, you say it that. shuts it off at three minutes. You guys don't they have to sit across anymore. from him looking go. at his face as he's, as he's disconnecting from it. Close your eyes. You wouldn't... Well, why didn't you see me disconnecting from you when you started reading emails? Yeah, I have to look at that. So then this is even worse. This I've is another level down. You know what? I'm going to mute you. Uh-huh. in the actual podcast and just pretend I'm talking to Joe from South Dakota. All right, that's fair. Hey, guys. Joe Hi, Joe. Dakota here. I know. Uh, coming to you this morning, driving across the prairie. Oh, it's beautiful out here. Um, <laughs> the, uh, with the alternate here, I was listening. got a couple points I wanted to uh-huh. comment on. Yeah, go ahead. I, I don't understand fully what that object was in relation to Odo. Me either. But the way I always, I always interpreted it, was that Odo was attacking Dr. Mora because he was infected with something from that planet. It wasn't the, the, the thing that infected him that made him angry, that, that, that was mad at Dr. Mora. Mm-hmm. It was Odo that still had those deep-seated feelings of anger and resentment towards him. Yeah. Um, and that was just brought out because that thing made him angry. Basically, a rage virus problem. It's kind of what that was. Like 28 days later. <laughs> and then the... Uh, yeah, the other point it. I wanted to make was Dr. Bashir wasn't being creepy. It's the simple matter of that the, the patient was being difficult and insisting they were going to leave uh-huh. before they were they were cleared to. At that point, a, a doctor now wouldn't give you your clothes. He would, mm. he would tell you, no, you can't leave. That's what restraints are and, for. And he wouldn't necessarily hide them, uh-huh. Uh-huh. but wouldn't give them to you. He would take them out of the room and put them somewhere else. I imagine. Maybe I'm wrong. I haven't 
you know, tried to force my way out of a hospital. Not yet, Joe. So things may have changed. All right. Thanks, guys. Great chat. See you later. Andy, you're back on. Oh, thank God. You should, uh, we should offer them just your track for that so that they can listen to like the worst Bob Newhart uh, uh, routine ever. It's like, that's right, Joe. Uh huh. Yep. I see. Kids, Bob Newhart had, had, was very famous for having one half of a phone conversation be very funny. <laughs> Lieutenant Junior. Oh, it's Neil Studd. Sorry, did I jump the gun? I just yeah, but that's one. fine. So this one is uh, this was the thing that was in Lower Deck. So I don't know if this is if Neil Studd is out of, out of turn by sort of having this 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 clip. But the um, uh, it's basically um, um, the bird of praise uh, thing. That, that every, every, every long-time listener of the uh, podcast Lieutenant will know Junior very well. Grades or Lieutenant so Junior Grade. Let's listen and we can evaluate. Lieutenant Junior Grades. Lieutenant Junior's Grade. Lieutenant's Junior Grade. Whatever. <laughs> that's Cheer. No, it's not. Isn't that Paul? I don't think that's Cheer. Lieutenant Junior Grades. Lieutenant Junior's Grade. Lieutenant's Junior Grade. Whatever. No, that's not Paul. Uh... Yeah, that that's that one. I think you'd just be typing and find that joke. Here's what I think. I don't think yes. it's a direct lift. I think because if it was a direct lift, they would have just done bird of praise. I think it's a someone is listening to the podcast. Maybe maybe a couple of people are listening to the podcast, and it got in their heads. Hmm. That's what my feeling is. So it's an influence, but it's not a, a lift. My feeling yeah. is you could easily stumble upon that by looking at the written words and just being like, huh. I don't know. Even if you're, because you'd have to ask yourself possible. how you realize this. It's possible. But it's like sometimes things as a comedy writer or just in, or any kind of writer are sort of like, oh, they're in the ether. It was a conversation I was having. And so then I'm yeah. thinking about it. Um, well, look, I think the point is they're doing some fun stuff over there, you know? Yeah. And we're doing some fun stuff over here. Let's continue with our fun stuff. Edward Moeller says... Oh, his, he was just commenting, your bit is now canonical. Um, so, uh, this is from Rachel Patton. Why does McCart have a French accent? This may be, I don't know if we discuss this or other people have sort of said, but, uh, Rachel says, uh, dear Andy and Matt, recently Fresh Air replayed their 2020 interview with Patrick Stewart. Sam Breiger sitting in for Terry Gross asked Stewart why Picard had an English accent, not a French accent. Stewart admitted that he, he had tried reading the script in a French accent, which he demonstrates in the interview. I would love to hear that. And it's freaking great, uh, but it just wasn't right. Can you imagine? So I guess this means there isn't a canonical reason for the accent of the character. Someone write that Betaverse novel. It's a fantastic interview. I hope you listen to it. Love your show so much. Live long in Secunda. Sincerely, Lieutenant Rachel Patton. Not really a lieutenant, just a Patreon lieutenant. That's a real lieutenant to us, Rachel. Mm-hmm. You have all the duties and requirements of that position, so... Jennifer Hurst hails us, I like Oreo without filling. In fact, 
I will sometimes scrape off all filling and just eat the chocolate cookie. Uh, DS9 Season 2 Episode 10 hails Devanani Rawl in regards to a cut-down version of our pod, of TNC, said it would be like an Oreo without the filling. No cut-downs. I'm cool with the saucer section, though I might start a riot with that opinion. Jenny. <laughs> I don't even want to talk about that opinion. That, yeah, it was, that was prior. That was before we had developed the technology of the Tapole. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so, who knows? I mean, who, I... Who knows what the feeling would be now? I actually... I know what the feeling would be now because I, ironically, took a Tapole last night on this very was issue. It, was it like 51 to 49? Uh, against, you're saying? Here, let me. Here, uh, I'll tell. I, I don't know actually which way it would go. I'll tell you what the choices were, which uh-huh. is, are going to aggravate you because this is why I didn't bring it up because I knew you were going to. I don't like. Like, why are you even asking? I'm not involved in. Yeah. And frankly, a lot. Most of the crew seems to be sort of on your side on this one. Usually, they love the tapoles, and in this one, they were. They seem perturbed somehow, but I was. There was a couple of people who were sort of saying like, "Hey, the hail bags could be." You know, a little shorter. I don't mind that. I agree. Could, them. could be shorter, and I knew you agreed. And so I was like, "Hey, let's let's ask." And I will say, as a side note, some people seem to be under the misapprehension that I edit the hails. It is very, very rare that I'll take anything out of a hail because I'm always like, I don't know what the person thinks is important and not important. So I, and so I said, uh, like, I don't do that because it's extra work for me and because it stresses me out worrying about whether I'm ruining your hail. And I think people interpreted that as that I am stressed out about this to poll, and I am not. I love a to poll. I love asking a million questions and hearing what everybody thinks, even though it drives Matt insane. So here are the here are the way, and you can tell me just how I I picked the wrong choices for this to poll, Matt. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Here's what I have. So putting aside our chaos, which is inevitable, and our TNC digressions, which are, do you want to play the uh, the to poll? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or should I just jump in? <laughs> uh, I mean, I guess if this is a legit to poll situation. It calls for this. If it's important to you to know the thoughts of the crew, you gotta take it to poll. If a marshmallow tip makes you wonder what if, you gotta take it to poll. Take a tip So, putting aside our chaos, which is inevitable, and our TNC digressions, which are, let's face it, most likely beyond our control, would you prefer the hail bag, and the choices are, be shorter, be longer, stay exactly the length it currently ends up being, and then the last choice is, bring back the saucer section. Oh, so it's not about the, it's not about the saucer section. It's about the hails. Would, if, if we were going to get a clear thing, would you want... Bring back the saucer section. Don't bring back the saucer section. I'm happy to run another uh, one. <laughs> no, I, well, I'd just be more curious as to like, would it be okay to do podcasts and then release a separate thing that was the hails? You know what I mean? And the, you know, the hails could be an hour and a half long at that point. Who cares? That's true. You know what I mean? Um, I apologize. I don't remember. Maybe I can actually find it in this in these comments because some of the comments were very interesting. Um, somebody had suggested to to solve the logjam problem if we have to wait for uh, responses before we can go into the next episode. Yeah. Why don't you do one um, hailbag 
a month in the Patreon that answers everything for all of the things and then just take the hail bag out for each of those individual episodes. You following what I'm saying? I hear you. I hear you. I think I'm following it, sort of. It's basically take out the hail bags in each of the individual episodes. I don't know if he was saying, I'm trying, still trying to find it. If it's in the in the Patreon, oh here it is, Kobayashi Maru. Um, no, that's not it. I'm still <laughs> trying to find it. Sorry. Um, but it was basically just doing a uh, doing one one episode a month. You know, I, I will say that this, is the, the hell. The, I find that the Patreon when we do the patron episodes and we have hails they don't last as long as the regular episodes hails do well i think people are more here it is matthew dillon i say do a singular monthly saucer section for the patreon releases only that way you could mm. bank patreon apps and keep the main pod a main free pod as it is oh i see so it would just be like the ds9 one would be endless yeah and then we do we'd record Enterprise Voyager, um, whatever. Yeah. Or we could just do and one hail bag for Voyager and one for the other one. Sure. Separated by level. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um. Anyway, which I'm gonna go ahead and say that's not a particularly great idea because that just I think to me that just sounds like. You've, it's two extra podcasts. Yeah. To have to find time to do and record. Where it's sort of like when we schedule a podcast and we're recording it, we're locked into that. It's like, whatever. This is what we're doing right now. Yes. The only advantage is, well, I guess the only advantage is we don't have to, we can bank the episode part themselves. But whatever. Uh, anyway, I never give you the answers of, uh, of how it broke down. Uh, what, what's your prediction? Be shorter, oh, be longer, stay exactly the same. Bring back the saucer section. I would say it's like... How many options is that? That's four options? I think it's 30% a pop. <laughs> like it's like, it's like 25, 25, 25, and 25. Oh, it is... Whatever. whatever gets to 100, the even distribution of such. Be shorter is 8%. Mm. Be longer is 6%. Stay exactly the same length it currently ends up being is 75%. And there's mm-hmm. 10% who want to bring back the saucer section. So it's basically so they're just... just keep it the same. <laughs> exactly. I think a lot of that was probably in response to what is perceived, probably accurately, as my neuroses. They're just sort of saying, uh, you know, like, I don't know, it's good. What you're doing is good. We're, we like the show. <laughs> Don't go changing. <laughs> um, all right. We have a prime corrective, and then we're done with this. Mm-hmm. It's pretty brisk, huh, guys? Time for retrospective. Because truth is our objective. It's a prime corrective. Because Matt and got it wrong. Zeppo Vendetta. Uh, sent in uh, this note in Star Mitzvah. Fraser doesn't accidentally mix up notes with Noel. Noel 
purposefully teaches him Klingon instead of Hebrew because Fraser promises him a signed Scott Bakula autograph and fails to deliver. Hashtag sexiest captain. <laughs> Thank you for getting that plot point correct. That's amazing. Um, hey, while we're on Bakula, before we move off this... Um, Back on Bakula. I, uh, let me see. What's the name of this? Sweeney Todd. Uh, Divinity. I just saw this completely batshit uh, low-budget sci-fi movie that Steven Soderbergh somehow is producing. He like raised the money for it, but didn't really. He was just sort of you know grand, fathering it in. Um, uh, and I didn't know much about it other than it was low-budget sci-fi, so I was like, cool, I want to see that. It's very has a lot of 80s styling. It's completely weird. It has a bunch of models in it and sort of sexy stuff and monster stuff. It's kind of cool, but it's completely odd and weird. But here's the thing. It opens and has Scott Bakula as this aging scientist. And I'm like, is that? And it's in black and white. And I'm like, is that Scott Bakula? So it's really interesting right off the bat. Um, I guess I should have saved this for uh, for our Enterprise thing. But uh, anyway, if you want to see Scott Bakula in a recent thing. Divinity. <laughs> That's where you go. Or I really you head over to Broadway. The visuals are are really interesting and cool, especially at that low budget. Um, if you would like to send a hail to us, you can send it to sdtncpod at gmail dot com. Please put the title of the episode in the subject heading somewhere. Um, you can X or Instagram matt at matt myra you can instagram me at andrew secunda or tweet me at secunda um i think my tiktok is secunda three but i'm not doing anything there yet uh our instagram instagram and twitter account is, and our tiktok account is at star trek tnc and our youtube account um and if you'd like to send a voice hail send it in should you aim for a minute? That's what I say. Should you aim for three minutes? That's what Matt says. 816-TREK-TNC. I mean, if, you, if you get cut off, it's too long. That's <laughs> oh, by you. If you, if you hit the, if you hit, no, if you hit the three-minute mark, oh, right. it's definitely too long. So, <laughs> so let me ask you this. If they hit the three-minute mark and yeah. then they send in a second part, which they often do, should yeah. I then throw that out? It's like, nope. Unless the second part is like, uh, oh my god, I just ran out of time. Let me be more succinct. And then they recap. You're saying instead of the first one? Yeah. Yeah. It's usually not instead of the first one. It's like, so just to finish up that point. I know. You're not, this is not the only podcast I do voicemails on. I have a lot of two part voicemails I listen to. And should I, should I give them to you or not? I mean, I don't mind. It's like six minutes of me not having to do anything but listen. I feel like it's bad podcasting, but whatevs. Um, that's it for the whole hail deck. This this whole thing is bad podcasting. Don't worry. Well, that's about fair. It. That is fair. Uh, let's do that then. We crossed many doors to many places. Your hails made us think of all your faces. So plug TNC in your little board node. Let's talk about this week's episode. This week's episode is Armageddon Game, which aired the 30th of January, 1994. Andy, what's happening out there in the world, particularly on the pop charts? 
Well, let's listen to the number one song in the UK, Things Can Only Get Better by Dream. Good old Dream. Whatever happened to them? D-Ream, actually. Yeah, D-Ream. It had the colon, but I thought it was mistyped because I don't know the band. Can only get better. Can only get, only get, get you know, I know that things can only get better. Ah. <laughs> this is so British. <laughs> Interesting. I, I, well, I, I love that they just they they show this one shot of the saxophone guy, and he's just like spinning in a circle. <laughs> All right, so that's that. That's what the UK was up to. Next, do you feel like they're going for kind of a George Michael thing? I think that's just early '90s pop. That's just what it is. Yeah. Uh, the number one song in Australia and the number one song in the U.S. is the same. We were more in lockstep with Australia than we were in the U.K., interestingly. Uh, All for Love by Brian Adams, Rod Stewart, and Sting from The Three Musketeers. Mm-hmm. Um, number one movie, Mrs. Doubtfire. Hello. Uh, number one alternative song. Oh, I forgot about this. All Apologies. Much worse than your, than your Nick from Boston impression. Hello. <laughs> sort of a on her deathbed, Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> um, uh, birth that week, singer-actor Harry Styles, actor Charlie Heaton from Stranger Things. Death that week, uh, actor Joseph Cotton. Oh, that's sad. Uh, Time Magazine covered the strange plot to cripple Nancy Kerrigan. That really sets it in time, doesn't it? And now... Yes. We're going to check on what's going on in the rest of the Trek universe. Oh, I assume you are talking about... Elsewhere in Trek! Let's see what's out there. Engage. While DS9 was off for a few weeks, the Alpha Quadrant stayed pretty busy... First, the Enterprise crew bailed out Worf's brother Nikolai after he got into a prime directive jam, Homeland, which aired January 17th. After that, as per the Okuda chronology, the Federation and the Cardassian Union agreed to establish a demilitarized zone where some citizens of each side found themselves living under the other side's control. Because this didn't sit well with the Federation folks, now ruled by Cardassians, a resistance group called the Maquis soon sprang up. And if all that weren't enough, Beverly Crusher's secretly horny grandmother died kicking off Sub Rosa, January 31st, about which no more need be said. We said it all. Sure did. Check out the episode. One of our average ones. Best? I don't know. I don't have no memory. I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you if any episode was good or bad. I can tell you if an episode of Star Trek was good or bad, but our podcast is like washed away in my brain every yeah. time we do it. I should uh, start. Uh, I thanks. guess it would de- 
It would probably depress you. It wouldn't depress me. I would be fascinated if I if I asked for to pull on to, for them to rank us also. How would uh, that all work? It would have hundreds of listings. How would you do that? What do you mean? I would just put it to poll that basically said how many Andes for this episode of TNC. Oh, after we've done the episode. Not, yes, not yes. to go back retroactively and rate them. No, no, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, whatever. That's it, right? Now we're That's done. That's it. We're done. Let's do the thing that we normally do, which is to actually discuss the show. If we must. Armageddon Game was a teleplay by Morgan Gendel, Iris Stephen Bear, and James Crocker. And the story was by Morgan Gendel, and it was directed by Weinrich Colby. And here's the description from Memory Alpha. O'Brien and Bashir hope to rid two races of their biological weapons. However, both governments want to ensure no technical knowledge of the weapon can survive. There you go. Chief Medical Officer's Log Supplemental. Chief O'Brien and I are on board a Talani cruiser, helping the Talani and the Kellerans eliminate their stockpiles of harvesters, deadly biomechanical gene disruptors used by both sides in their centuries-long war. Dr. Nidrum, how's our muon charge? Coming up to full power. What do you think? They got a little Death Star window. That's nice. It is nice. Uh, I think that these uh, that one of these aliens, the Frani, I think, yeah, uh, really, uh, really read like uh, Gary Oldman and Francis Coppola's Dracula. <laughs> That's interesting. Okay, I thought you were gonna say <laughs> in a weirdly fifth shaped element, hair. and then I was like, oh, okay, we're gonna go Dracula. Interesting. Oh yeah, Fifth Element too. I guess that's true too. We've only been trying to eliminate them for a week. Is that all it's been? It feels like we've been working for more than a month. I've never seen a nanobiogenic weapon so resistant to broad spectrum radiation. It's just a matter of finding the right combination of muon frequencies. It should be simple, but it's not. So O'Brien is drinking coffee. He is drinking coffee. The question is, wait, is this? Is yeah, because we end the scene and we come back, so we don't know when this is. Right. Doctor, start the sequence or we will be here for a month. Right, Chief. I'm introducing the harvester into the genetic bath. We're getting more influx now. More influx. They turned the Doctor. red jar into a green jar. They did it. Disruptor phasing. Yeah, the light is green. The trap is clean. That's what Ray <laughs> used to say. <laughs> sure did. Um. All right, everybody's excited here. And then, how does this end? And let's not forget, we couldn't have done it without the help of our friends from the Federation. At first, we questioned Doctor Nidrum's decision to bring in outside help. Obviously, it was the right thing to do. We're all very grateful for your assistance. It was our pleasure, I assure you. But eliminating the harvesters is only half the task. We must make certain all scientific data concerned with them is wiped out as well. I've purged every file in the Talani and Kelleran databanks pertaining to the harvesters. 
If anyone gets it in their head to build these things again, they'll have to start from scratch. Then it's Great. finished. And if Black you Friday. both could kill yourselves, that would uh, really save us some shoe leather. Until the entire Kelleran Dolani's supply of harvesters has been destroyed. We will begin immediately. There's so many canisters, and they're all orange or red. Oh no, that means bad. I've already heard. You have? Yes, I received a message from both the Tulani and Kelleran ambassadors informing me of your success in neutralizing the harvesters. Congratulations, gentlemen. I thought there was going to be something to that. The fact uh-huh. that he had heard so soon, and Bashir has to you had? Yeah, that is a weird... And there's there's a, you know what? Fucking DS9 does this, I think, more than any other Trek show where you're just like, oh, I wonder what that is. And then red they herring. don't. Yeah. It's just like, is it red herring? It feels like sloppy writing. Yeah, maybe. Or maybe it almost. Your... You know what it feels like? It feels like you're like riffing on the page and just like, ah, maybe I have something here or they have this kind of ad lib. But it's like, unless there's a purpose or it's funny or it's interesting, then why is it in there? Hmm. It bothers me. Thank you, sir. But the doctor here deserves the bulk of the credit. Actually, it was a team effort. The doctor's just been modest, sir. He was the one who came up with muon rays as a possible solution. I don't care. Luckily, it worked. When can we expect you back? Well, soon, I hope. The ambassador said something about a celebration on Tulani Prime. Yes, it's set for tonight. Yeah, I get an invite. The chief is quite anxious to return back to the station. Well, it's been a long week. Still, I think we can spare you for another day. I agree. If that's okay with you, Chief. <laughs> I like I that there was... day won't kill me. <laughs> I like that there was that subtext going on that fucking Bashir wanted to get his hedges clipped the whole time. And uh, he's like, I just like to go to this party. I feel like I'm really going to do well at this party or to save the planet. And, uh, <laughs> and O'Brien's like, I'm married. I don't care. It's really like an us situation, you know? It is. It's like, yeah, it's, I just want to go home. Yeah. We're both That's on the, the same spirit. Zoom, though. Then we'll expect you back day after tomorrow. Yes, sir. Enjoy yourselves, gentlemen. You've earned it. Has he, though? Blah, blah, blah. Also, also, I feel like the the weird face, the kind of the kind of coy face that uh, that Cisco makes after he hangs up. He's just like, mm-hmm, I did it. I'm being a good commander. <laughs> um, the other thing that I said, we sort uh, we passed is just at the end of the teaser, you don't know anything that's going on, and they pan over to the jars and yeah. they put a music sting, and it's like clearly they were like. We don't really have an end to this fucking teaser, so I guess put music. That's I mean, it should, I think I think they should have gone two scenes deep and ended the cold open when they get killed. Yeah, although, hmm, that's interesting. Restructuring it, would you want? It'd be more interesting if we open the episode with O'Brien with them watching the footage on D Space Nine. You don't know anything. Like the accidents already like, happened. Yeah, like we start and they've and they've been killed. Yeah. Quote unquote. Although well, I guess that, you don't need it that would be another 
another like you know uh, I keep forgetting you only live twice uh, type you know opening like we just saw in an enterprise where it's sort of like he's it's Cisco's conversation with Keiko is the opening right yeah whatever let's just show those jars it'll be fine I mean, I don't know how these this band of military marauders like. I don't know how they got in a war for that long. They suck. They really do. They are easily defeated. <laughs> O'Brien, you got the uh, the engineer and the doctor who are going to take you guys out. Come on. So O'Brien is. I feel like they they show you know that 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 Bashir is sort of committed and relatively brave, but he's not that much of a warrior. O'Brien, I feel like they're presenting as a real badass, and I know he's had military experience. Yeah, but at the same time, too, he's no shrinking violet. Bashir just right there just just jumped that guy and tried to take the gun. Yes, but it does seem like he's just a committed person that's sort he's of... a Starfleet career officer, man, you know? I think he's had a lot of training, combat training. I think he went to any extra class he could at the academy. <laughs> I know I'm a doctor, but I have to be prepared for all eventualities. For any adventure that might come up. They're all dead. We will be too if we don't get out of here. O'Brien to Ganges. Computer, activate remote transporter sequence. O'Brien to Ganges. They must be jamming communications with the runabout. We sure as hell can't stay here. We'll have to beam down to the surface, but they'll be able to follow us. I'm programming the system to overload 30 seconds after we transport. Let's go. They never really do find them. <laughs> DS9. Like, they go through like six days of like, no, no, I mean the the, the people. What are, you, what are they called? The tel- the, the, the Kellerans or the other ones? Eh, whoever. It doesn't matter. Because they check all the bodies. They see that O'Brien and Bashir aren't there. Yes. And then they still come, they still go along with the ruse. With the confidence that eventually we will, uh, we'll, we'll find it for sure. And then it seems like they don't even really bother looking until Cisco shows up. Well, I assumed that they were looking and that O'Brien's take on, you know, oh, well, if we run around, then, then we're going to get caught faster. But if we just stay put, then we won't. That, that was sort of like, that was a successful ruse. Finally, a successful ruse. But it does seem crazy in the in an era with scanning technology that I'll anybody could stay here that long. Look at that! Look at that alien's head. That yeah, is like a giant. bigger than a Ferengi head. I nine. was like, oh, this is going to be one of Andy's favorite alien background aliens ever. Love it. It's a crazy head. <laughs> yeah. Ah, uh, and a slice oh, of. A shot. Go ahead. Cisco. The Tilanian Keller. Yeah, we can hear you. you. Don't don't talk. You're in the shot. Oh, okay. I, I, just, I, just, yeah, I thought I should chat in the background, you know, like kind of like, oh, I'm, I'm chatting. Uh, uh, so let me just hang on. Hang on. Does the does the mouth move on that thing? No. Okay. You, the mouth doesn't even move. So you know, just okay. So don't don't talk. What, don't what, talk. Am I just standing here, then I'm just holding no, a drink you, and standing uh, here. Would, yeah, I think you're listening. It's so like a telepath. Oh, oh, listening. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're just listening. Uh, right. Maybe you are reacting. Just by nodding gently. 
Okay, okay. Got it. That's gonna I got neck problems, so that might hurt me a little bit, but okay. Okay. You know what? Just stand there. What? You want us to bring a chair over? Do you need a chair? No, no, I wanna be standing. <laughs> I wanna I want business. Okay, okay. whenever you're ready. Right. Okay. <laughs> we'll have a cup of Alterian. Go big head, go. <laughs> you're going like very very handsy. <laughs> yeah, I figured I you know, just Sort of like you said, I couldn't move around my my head. Too yeah, much, so but you're like, making hands like you're like you're talking when we can clearly see that your mouth isn't moving. I guess I just figured that's how I, uh, my species right. communicates. I come up. It's with not great story. business. You know, All we're right. just gonna you know we're gonna start the shot uh, on someone else. Thanks so much. Oh, oh no! <laughs> I told my mom already I was gonna be. In this. <laughs> Are O'Brien and Doctor Bashir with them? No, Commander. And the ambassadors refuse to speak to anyone but you. Show them to my office. I'll be right there. Yes, sir. I'll have to cancel that order. So he says, I'll have an Alterian chowder, yep. blueberry crepes, mm-hmm, crepes mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and a slice of, and then he gets interrupted. That was going to be a made-up word, word we know, a hat trick. Oh, yeah, sure. Kind of interrupted. Well, I mean, you got it. You got it the next... Uh, What's the next word? The Tilani and Kelleran ambassadors. There you go. That's three. That's two made-up words in a word we know. Tilani and Kelleran ambassadors. <laughs> yes, so I feel like we know what the context is for that. It was a terrible accident. It appears one of your officers, a Chief O'Brien, I believe, inadvertently tripped a security device. A lethal pulse of radiation flooded the room, killing everyone. Ambassador Sherratt transported off the ship just minutes before the accident occurred. This security device? It was built into the lab's computers decades ago. We didn't even know it existed. If there were no survivors, how do you know that Chief O'Brien caused the accident? I was able to return to the ship almost immediately after the accident. The first thing I did was to check the internal security sensors. They recorded the entire incident. We assumed you'd want to see for yourself. The uh, I would have been like, would have wouldn't have left clothing behind? How come nothing's affected? How come I mean, I guess they, I, it just it's very sense. sci-fi, but it seems like uh, there's no. I, this is why I was surprised that Cisco, because he's sort of playing his cards close to the vest and doing the Cisco thing of going like, all right, well, thank you for telling me. So it really feels like he's in like, all right, I got to get to the bottom of this mode, and. Yes. Then it's like, oh no, he thinks they're dead. And I would think, like, if I saw fucking footage of people just going, bleep, <laughs> they're gone, bleep, I'd be like, I don't believe that that really happened. <laughs> bleep. Oh, they're gone. That's bad. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> it was O'Brien. What a fuck up. food and medical supplies. Yeah, they could be booby-trapped. The Cardassians used to rig the supplies they left behind with pressure grenades. I've seen more than one soldier permanently lose his appetite that way. Well, did you find anything? Looks all right. Good. 
At least we won't stop. These are all orange and red. Yeah. Oh, no, that's food. Those are bad no. colors. Yeah. On that planet. The harvester thing is not contagious. You have to be. You have to actually physically touch the liquid. Yeah, it seems like a very <laughs> ineffective <laughs> biological weapon. Bad job, everybody. <laughs> keep moving. Wait. Listen to me, Julian. The Calrons are going to expect us to be on the move. We start running, their sensors will pick us up before we've gone a kilometer. If we stay still, maybe, just maybe, it'll take them longer to find us. And the way I see it, we have only one chance to survive this thing. And that's to stay alive long enough for Commander Sisko to find us. But that won't be for at least another day. He still thinks we're celebrating on Talani Prime. I said it was our only chance. Didn't say it was a good one. It'll also be much easier on the budget if we stay in this one room the whole time instead of running around. What have we here? Want to do it's a like some kind huge of- episode. We're there on the run. Okay, but <laughs> can you stay do it in one room, please? Budget-wise, we just can't. <laughs> Calm system. Maybe we can contact the Talani from here. Do you think you can get it working? Well, I'll have to open it up. This See, bit of acting I like supply. quite a bit. When he takes us off, tries to hand it to him, and then realizes his hands are full. <laughs> he also gives, him a, nice. he gives uh, him a look like it's one more out. thing that's annoying him about Bashir. Oh, <laughs> this guy. He's got something in his hands. I took the engineering extension courses at Starfleet Medical. <laughs> extension courses? They were actually quite informative. <laughs> Julian, do you really want to help me? Yes. Then let me do my job. Course. I'll uh, I'll inventory the supplies then. Fine. Why don't you do that? The last cylinder. I believe that you should have the honor, Doctor. My pleasure. Um, security footage, uh, security footage, security footage. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you. Why don't we that all I like that they fake that part, too, the sedate celebration. Button. Coffee? Hold on, what's this? Chief, I don't know. Closing the last file seems to have activated some kind of security program. It looks like it was part of the original operating system. Shut it down. Do you know anything about this? No. Maybe you should try cutting. It's like this. Oh. I guess it's it makes sense far. that they'd be able to deep fake this stuff in the future, since they can basically do it now. Yeah. I've heard of security weapons like this. A radiation pulse that vaporizes any intruder who... They've been trying to get it on the promenade for <laughs> years. Doesn't enter the proper code. I'm surprised the chief didn't detect it. It must have been buried very deep in the system. I'd like to talk to the chief of security for that ship. So would I. Remember, they lost people too. But the Talani were responsible for O'Brien and Bashir's safety. They should have known about that device and deactivated it. That'll do, Major. I'd like for you to contact Bajoran medical officials. We'll need a doctor to be temporarily assigned to the station until Starfleet can send us a replacement for Dr. Bashir. Dax, that'd be a good side character. Never see. Accident. 
Tell them we'll need a new medical officer and a new chief of operations. Would you like me to go with you to see Mrs. O'Brien? No. I'll take care of it. Find out how I can contact Julian's family. Major, inform the crew we'll be holding a memorial service tomorrow evening at 1800 hours. Yes, sir. Mm, I'm already doing something then. Could we do it at like 1600? Is that going right, to kill you? <laughs> I know the next few days are going to be hard, but we all have jobs to do. Dismissed. You hear that Star Trek of the future? We all have jobs to do. We all have jobs to do. It's going to be hard. Let's just keep going. We don't need to take any pauses to emotionally unpack everything here. That's a really good point. These are two (laughs) major characters that are dead and not a tear is shed. (laughs) They just move on with their jobs. I'm sorry. He's just always standing around. At least you're doing something constructive. You just keep your eyes open for any Kelleran soldiers. Don't worry. I will. <sighs> Such a mess in here. You'll make it work, Chief. This is the kind of challenge you live for. You know, I was looking forward to the celebrations on Talani Prime. I don't know if you noticed, but Talani women are quite attractive. <laughs> Not blind, you know. <laughs> Of course not. But you are married. Just because you're married doesn't mean you stop looking at women. Just as long as you don't let your wife see you look. Andy, you have a question? No. Your hand was raised. I was stretching. (laughs) For me, tonight's celebrations would have been an adventure. The most you could have hoped for was a good meal. Women. That's all you think about. No, it isn't. No, I do think about them a lot. Yeah, well. One of these days you'll fall in love with one. I did what? Not work out? Not quite. Close. I don't know. Somehow, marriage just doesn't seem fair. This guy is really... He just wants to bone. You know what I mean? I mean, yes. F- finish this thing, though, because this is even this even gets weirder. I think. Fair, <laughs> fair, to them. I mean, look at us. Our lives are constantly in danger. There's enough to worry about without worrying about the wife and kids at home worrying about us. I'm sorry, Chief. So, I just feel that way. I got something to say. It's going to be maybe a little controversial. I don't like this guy. <laughs> and I understand that everyone's been saying, yeah, he goes in an arc and whatever. He learns stuff along the way. And then later on, he's more of a likable guy. And it's not even just the that he's kind of a douchebag thing and that every situation is exactly what Brian says. Like, all right, he he's a skirt chaser. Okay. He can have characters like that and still have him be kind of like you know dan fielding dan fielding well dan fielding was a douchebag but he, <laughs> he him you were supposed to delight in yeah. 
him being kind of a villain and a douchebag. And I don't think that's what we're supposed to think about Bashir, which is part of my problem, is like if he was just sort of a rogue, then it's like, all right, he's he's a guy, he's whatever. But it's like, this is the problem. And I don't know, I think it might be the performance, or I don't know if it's the actor, because I've seen this actor in other things that I've liked. Mm-hmm. He's not likable in this role. He seems creepy and insilly and weird and unsettling. And so it's like, it's not the fun, roguish, you know, skirt chaser kind of thing. He just seems like he's disturbing the whole time. And then there's stuff like this. Like he's saying, it doesn't seem fair to them. And it's like, oh, this will be interesting what this this guy's take is on this. And it's, it's hard for them worrying about you but then it still circles back to him of like and then you have to worry about them being worried about you it's like still a narcissistic take i just i understand he goes on an arc and i understand that o'brien and him end up friends i don't see what's to like about this guy and people sort of said yeah but already or people have defended things you've seen i think almost everything he does other than even when he takes care of people, it seems like he doesn't seem as good of a doctor as the other doctors in Star Trek. <laughs> doesn't seem like he's really empathetic to people. And so it's like, what am I liking about this guy? He's... A... I, I, I think so far you're not wrong. I mean, and I can only... I can't... You know, only up to the point of us watching the show can i you know talk take the theory it's like i mean way and i can't disagree with you i see everything you're saying yeah sure i don't think uh, he's a very likable character either andy's theories bashir is a creep Mm, so far you're right a lot of career officers feel that way well you career officers don't know what you're missing really that may be so. I just look at you and Mrs. O'Brien and I... <laughs> this what about is, this me, is great. Mrs. O'Brien? Nothing. What? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. It'd be so funny if this is how the, they were found. This arguing over the, who, his it's wife. It's no secret. <laughs> your assignment to this station hasn't been conducive to your marriage. Say that again. <laughs> I would love it if O'Brien punched him. It's the first intelligent thing you've said since we got here. That really, Colmini is really uncorking the, I'm about to get in a fight in Ireland, <laughs> in a bar, in a pub. <laughs> like That is really like, uh-oh. <laughs> um, I will say the thing I, I, I obviously do relate to about uh, Bashir is his, his, uh, his consistency with always saying exactly the wrong thing at the wrong moment and uh, never seeing it coming that I certainly relate to. But um, but uh, I love that they address the elephant in the room of like, aren't you and Keiko constantly fighting? Why are you touting marriage? <laughs> and then they circle back to it in the episode. It's great. Are you cold? Yes. Aren't you? No, actually, it's quite warm in here. You're looking a little pale. I'm fine. 
Your blood pressure's low, and you're running a fever. You better sit down. I don't want to sit down. I've got work to do. Roll up your sleeve. Why? Do it. Please. Gotta see if you've got that dot on you. Yep, just as I suspected. The dot. You've got that thing we tried to eradicate. <laughs> okay, cool. Something's happened to Miles. It was an accident. Both your husband and Dr. Bashir were involved. They're dead. I'm sorry. Tell me what happened. The Tulani security sensors recorded the entire incident. It's not what happened. <laughs> tell me what happened. I want to see it. Since you won't tell me. Miles was a fine officer and a fine man. Probably not as much as you, but close. I would like to be alone. Maybe as much as you. You guys are fighting a lot. <laughs> we all knew uh, you coming here has made conducive to your marriage. <laughs> Should I call the Enterprise, see if you can get back on there as a botanist or whatever it is you think you do? You well, maybe not right now, but just get me your resume and uh, we'll talk it over later. Um, I will say one thing I really I was not expecting in this moment. That obviously leads to the story later, but uh, they're always presenting Keiko in a way that's kind of doing the character dirty, that she's always a pain in the ass. She's really, she's always sort of leans into this histrionic aspect of her um, and just creating a lot of drama and every... I don't every, think that's true. You don't think so? Even up until no. now in the show? You know, she's no. always antagonistic with Miles. Granted, he he is also antagonistic, but no, she's not. No, she's not. She's not always antagonistic with Miles. He's... Like, I mean, think back to the stories that have featured Keiko. Uh, Keiko teaches the school, and the Bajorans, mm. uh, the Bajoran sect, uh, tries to destroy her day. Uh, in that episode, Miles and Keiko are very supportive of each other. No fighting. Well, okay, fair. I'm not saying. Every time I'm saying a majority. Uh, the reason that the that the Bashir comment tracks is because they're often, if not mostly, fighting. I, I think you're just. I think it's just the episode. I mean, what was it? Might have been the first episode or something where they. I feel like she's always on his ass or about or something, and that's the, that's the relationship they're presenting. And uh, you know, maybe he deserves to have her on his ass. Maybe he's sort of you know a thickhead, but. Uh, but I do feel like that's what's presented. Anyway, my point is, what I really love here is he tells her the most crushing news of all, and she immediately kind of takes it in and thinks about it. It's like, well, I'm going through my process of making sure this is true and protecting my husband um, before I, you know, I allow my my emotions to to run free. So I really, I don't know, I really like that about the character there. I mean, what about when the luck was going bad on the ship or she on the station? She freaked out and said, my luck! And she was like, hey, just train harder. You'll be able to beat Bashir. She really supported him in his in his terrible racquetball endeavors. I'm trying to remember what else she says in that episode. But I'm just saying, like that, you know. 
I mean, I can tell you everything. I, I, I'm looking at her memory alpha right now. Uh huh. She's not happy about about the station. She'd rather be on the Enterprise. And then she becomes a school teacher. Then the Bajorans believe Keiko is teaching the the prophets are only wormhole aliens. Then Pedro is on the verge of revolution. Shortly after school bombing, Keiko and Molly get evacuated to the Korat system, which we remember. Great times for everybody. Yeah, she's mad about that. She's mad that he's going his own. He's not coming with them. And she's yeah, mad. That's, that's in not. The, um, that's not. That's not histrionic. That's. A, that's a. That's a. That's a very. Uh, history. That's fair. Histrionic is the wrong uh, term. Um, antagonistic. Uh, confrontational. That's not antagonistic either. It's not also not confrontational. If I was like Andy, don't stay on this podcast. It's gonna kill you. I would say, oh, finally, <laughs> I've been released. That's me worrying about you. <laughs> yeah, but you would. And that then... that's not the equivalent. The equivalent would be, I I've got to go do something else on another podcast. And you would go, no, you have to stay with me on this podcast. And granted, it's where where you'll be safe. No, (laughs) I have to to put this podcast. You're going to get killed on that other podcast. You have to stay at this podcast where I can protect you. But then there's also the thing. There's also when he was treating the Cardi kid bad. Cardassian kid. My apologies to Cardi's. (laughs) Um, and, uh, And she turned on him there. Which was reasonable. Him. I don't know. These are these are examples where Kate goes. Well, the, well, the other thing was, you know, she's a Starfleet officer, so she's got to be more understanding of that. The the Cardassian like, thing, also, obviously, but like, she but was like in the, the, right. the things that we we're t- the things we we're fighting about. I agree with her on. Like, yeah, you should have stayed on the Enterprise. It's a much cushier gig. <laughs> if we go uh, episode by episode, I feel confident. I that just I could, did. I'm literally told. No, you you're every not going episode. back to TNG. You're not going to. You're oh not no, going no, to, no, no, I'm not. I'm and you're not, not going, going on a, what, on an interaction by interaction basis. I have to go basis. by Bashir because Bashir only knows what Bashir knows. So I'm going with these guys. On an interaction by interaction basis, even the ones that we've seen, I think Keiko is very f- fighty, and I think, I think that Miles think can be rap. fighty, I but think I think you're giving her bad rap. But I, I don't. I think I'm I'm reacting to the way the show has presented her, and uh, and I think that Miles can be fighty, but he's more kind of like, all right, I'll engage in this fight. No, maybe that's not true. Maybe Miles engages both the same. Anyway, my point was, I feel like she's fighty, and in this one, she's not anything. She's she's just like taking in the information. She's upset, but she's like, I got to stay on task. You're saying she's never like that. Oh, you're saying you, she's no, always no, no, no. like that, I'm and I don't saying, believe she's I'm, she's ever I'm like not that. Saying, I'm not saying that. Okay. I'm saying that she's not... They don't only fight, is what I am saying. Okay. I feel like... Yeah, all right. Well, there you go. Some, one of the statisticians do an evaluation of how much time after their time, their screen time is spent fighting. Just for <laughs> Including a little snipey comments. <laughs> <laughs> now, tell me where you left off. You see, the dark blue coil in the upper right-hand corner? No. It's there. Uh, 
beside the, the, the green cylinder. I thought that they were going to reveal that this also made him colorblind, this disease that he got. And I was like, ooh, that's cool. Now you don't know what color any cable is. How are you yeah. going to teach O'Brien, uh, Bashir to do anything? Yeah. But no, just stupid Bashir couldn't find it. <laughs> just, just below it. Yeah, I see it. You have to... You have to lock the base of the coil into the tiny receptor just below it. He's like Mozart, just envisioning it. You know, I just remembered I still have Julian's medical school diaries. He let you read them? He felt they would help me understand him better. This is right in my theory the weirdest thing ever the craziest thing i've ever heard you know what that tells me what that tells me he has a fake set of medical school journals (laughs) that he wrote just to woo women (laughs) i saw a woman and helped her across you know probably i I protected her from (laughs) i saved 17 children today and right i he's probably got it's all i think think about he replicates sets of those books all the time and hands them out that's the most logical. That's so much more logical than the thing she's saying, which is it'll help me understand him better. This guy that that wants to get down with me gave me his diaries is the just most narcissistic, insane thing I've ever heard in my life. How? By reading about all the women he went out with? That's not what they were about. When he gave them to me, he told me that they were about his innermost thoughts. His struggle to graduate top of his class. His dream of having a career in Starfleet. <laughs> so his gross. Constant fear of failure. That part I respect. And did you understand him better? I never got around to reading him. Why would I? There's someone else's I suppose diaries. I should send them to his parents. You could keep them. He's not interesting nor a historical figure, so I haven't read them. (laughs) (laughs) You should send them to his parents. Maybe you should read them before you send them to his parents. Really? Maybe there's more women stuff in there than you think. I cared a great deal about you. I know. I cared about him. Maybe it's not about women he slept with because it's about women that he wants to sleep with. These uh, are on the house. How come? I thought we'd have a toast to the memory of Chief O'Brien and Dr. Bashir. That's very thoughtful, Quark. I can be thoughtful. (laughs) To our dear departed comrades... We may have had our differences, but I'll say this for them, and it's the highest tribute I can think of. They were good customers. They always paid their bar bills on time. That's it? I'm not done yet. I would have been like, that's very sweet. Because you're seeing it through Ferengi eyes. Because I'm seeing it through Ferengi eyes, yeah. I'm like, you're right. a Ferengi, and this means a lot to you, and I think that's very sweet that you see them like that. <laughs> uh-huh. At times like this, I'm reminded of the 57th rule of acquisition. 
Good customers are as rare as latinum. Which is not like gushers. Treasure them. <laughs> it's not actually a liquid. It's pressed into a <laughs> solid form. <laughs> and it can be shaved, but I would definitely be aware of when they were shaving. <laughs> um, yeah. I feel like they could have gone further with that bit. Yeah. I feel like they could have, he could have really gotten into the nitty gritty of how they'd done proper financial dealings with him and something, something to underline it. Cause it is, it's almost, you're, you're right that it's like, it is almost sweet. It's like basically like from his perspective, it's sweet. So it sort of doesn't give them enough to be like oh, fucking quark. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of not, the joke isn't complete. Fair. All right, now here is where Keiko accidentally saves her husband. Watch, it's coming up in just a few seconds. <laughs> Computer freeze image. There, do you see it? I see the chief drinking coffee. Exactly, now look at the time index. 1500 hours. That's right, late afternoon. Miles never drinks coffee late in the afternoon. It keeps him up all night. Maybe he made an exception this time. Working long hours under a lot of stress. I know my husband. He never drinks coffee late in the day. Maybe he isn't drinking coffee. Maybe it's tea. I checked the data clip. It contained a spectroscopic analysis. The liquid in Miles' cup consists of vegetable-based oils and caffeine. It's coffee, all right. You're suggesting someone tampered with this recording. Yes, I am, and I want to know the reason why. Lieutenant, when were you planning on bringing the Ganges back from Tulani 3? Tomorrow. I don't see any reason to wait, do you? I'll leave right away. Good. I'll come with you. So here's what's this is so bizarre here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She makes this wild stab that yeah. seems like from the outside is like, you're saying your husband is alive because he's drinking coffee. That to any, the, on the outside, you would think, oh, that's insane. And so I thought, oh, well, you know, maybe, maybe they'll have Cisco kind of like you know humor her and then he'll realize the other clues aren't fitting and then it's you know and then it sort of comes together he immediately is all in he's like absolutely so the show is saying this is and this is what i liked at this point it's like oh this is great they're having keiko with her knowledge of o'brien and then i even like that she checked to make sure it was coffee like that she fucking did the work and she knows her husband better than anybody and then and that's what cisco is vibing on of like i trust keiko and that's it's all bullshit <laughs> like she's totally yeah. wrong until yeah sure so it's like he makes this why, but in retrospect then why is Cisco so all in on her if because of what you said but she's they, she you know, doesn't, doesn't know O'Brien he doesn't know she's wrong they don't know that no one no one there is like now I've seen Chief drink coffee well, this is an example of what I would say the show doing her dirty, this character dirty. It's basically saying, well, Cisco, I mean, it's lucky that Cisco saved him, but Cisco was wrong to listen to Keiko's crazy rantings about he doesn't drink coffee late in the day. Uh, I mean, I think it's also just like a situation of let's humor her. I don't feel like that's the vibe, though. Let's go take a look and see what's happening. 
See if it's anything, anything, anything out of the ordinary. Do you feel like it's a humor her vibe? I feel like he's like, well, was, do you mean that this is faked? Oh, well, all right, but then we should go down the. Yeah, chicken. because he wouldn't. Sh- he would have shown up with a security force. He would have shown up with more than one runabout, knowing that he was outgunned. Hmm. There would it would have been a much different posture. He would have arrived there with. I don't know. I mean, I, I, that's valid, but I don't I think he's feel just, like... Now he's just, he's like, okay, I'm going to walk around that lot, kick the tire, see what I think. Uh, maybe, but I don't feel like Avery Brooks is performing it like he doesn't believe that something's up. Mm. He, he feels to me like he's like listening to Keiko and it's like, you're right, this is weird. So who was she? Who? Not quite close. See that? Even in his dying deathbed, he does a posh British accent to mock him. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> True Irishman. Palice. Palice Delon. She was a dancer, a ballerina. She had the most exquisite feet. <laughs> Obviously, he would be a foot guy. It's very important for a dancer to have good arches. She was gorgeous. Not to mention brilliant. I used to watch her on stage. I couldn't believe how anyone could be so graceful. She was crazy about you. We were crazy about each other. I used to think, Julian, you lucky devil. You found the perfect woman. We used to finish each other's thoughts. Sandwiches? There. What do you think? Uh. Good, good. Put it back in the comp panel. I thought something was going to happen when he put it back in the comp panel. They take a lot of time with it. Uh, you know, I was that that didn't occur to me actually. So he basically well, I, makes a big deal about how in love he were, was least. with her, and then it's but just sort of like, but I wanted to go to Starfleet, yeah, so I left right now. Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to cut him off. Sorry, oh, okay. sorry. Yeah, I, mean, I apologize. To hear your shorter version of it, please. <laughs> yeah, it's essentially that's what happened. Like it's like uh, he was—he was more—he was more married to Starfleet, mm-hmm. which I get, you know, because mm-hmm. you're married to this podcast more than you are to Dory. Yeah, totally. This podcast is. My wife. I'm retuning the My wife. The RF <laughs> oscillators. So what happened? With you and police. What happened is I graduated. Her father was the top administrator at a medical complex in Paris. He offered me a job. Promised I'd be chief of surgery within five years. But you would have to give up your Starfleet career. I can't tell you how close I came, but here I am. You made your choice. Yeah. Sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night and I think to myself, will I ever find anyone that wonderful again? The oscillator's working, but the frequency is still fluctuating. Let me take a look. What is it? My legs. I can't feel them. 
do we escalate this? I don't know. Give him a problem with his legs or something. <laughs> Commander Cisco, what a pleasant surprise. I take it you're here for your runabout. Yes. I've also brought coffee. We do you like to drink coffee? <laughs> I'm to leave for the memorial service on Talani Prime. You're welcome to accompany us. Perhaps we will. But first, I'd like to see for myself where the accident took place. Of course. While you're on the cruiser, I think I'll beam over to the Ganges and take a look around. Good idea. Dex is on the case. She, she's going to try to find the clues. She's got to make sure, you know, Tuvok would be proud. <laughs> you must tell Keiko and Molly. You tell them yourself. You were wrong, you know, about marriage. Whatever you say, Chief. Listen to me, Julian. You're the one who's always talking about adventure. Huh? Adventure. Oh, marriage is the greatest adventure of them all. It's filled with pitfalls and setbacks and mistakes. <laughs> but it's a journey worth taking, because you take it together. I know Keiko's been unhappy about us coming to the station. We still argue about it. Almost constantly. Every scene, every scene we're in together, we're arguing. About. <laughs> the day we both know we love each other, Chief. That's all that matters, Chief. You can justify uh, some of the things that she does. Is uh, that's the morally correct side, but uh, that doesn't mean we're not arguing. <laughs> um, well, that's to be expected. I love that speech. Uh, for I mean, the exact reason that I feel is like I feel like they are presented as a lot of times having a terrible marriage, and it kind of fits in organically with everything we've seen since TNG, and is kind of like, oh, that's a really nice spin that even though there's like what I perceive as some conflict and antagonism, for him it's like, yes, that's part of marriage. You have to work shit out, but we're on this journey together and we love each other and part of the thing is it's almost like an engineer's perspective on it. Oh, they should have drawn that extra, that extra connection. It's an engineer's perspective. There's something wrong with the engine. Let me figure it out. And sort of work with the engine to uh, to repair it or to optimize it. So I, I don't know. It adds up to me that that's his perspective on marriage, and maybe Keiko's too. Mm. And it was really sweet. I think you really cracked it open a little bit more than even the writers did with the engineering thing. Maybe. Intensity, but it guys, no I got my spec, my DS9 spec. Put me on staff. I'm gonna send you back in time. Imagine having to write television in the 90s. Oh, man. We'd be so rich. Tell me, Ambassador, have you been able to learn anything else about the fail-safe device that caused the accident? Not yet, Commander, but we're working on it. It was Ambassador Sherrod that brought you the data clip. That's right. And I suppose he showed it to you as soon as you arrived. Of course. Could the clip have been altered before you saw it? Why would Ambassador Sherrod alter the data clip? I have no idea. Dax to Cisco. Cisco. This lady is. When you're through there, could you join me in the Ganges? Yes. I'll be here a few more minutes. 
Commander, the Talani and the Kelleran have finally made peace. That peace cannot survive unless both sides trust each other. This lady is putting on a great flying performance. Hmm, maybe she just believes that guy. She's not. She doesn't know. She does know, doesn't she? Yeah, yeah of course she does. <laughs> I mean, unless he didn't let her in on the plan until later, but I don't think that would have been functional. What have you got, Dax? It looks like someone erased five seconds from the Genji's computer log. What do you got? At first I thought it was just some kind of power fluctuation. But when I checked the log's memory core, it showed traces of a remote transport command. Did you find any indication of transport activity at that time? Nope. And you're saying somebody erased it later on? Look at the time index when the call for transport came in. 1534. That's a full three minutes after the accident on the Tulani cruiser. Which means if either Chief O'Brien or Julian made that request... They would have been alive after the fail-safe device went off. Yeah, Lieutenant Dax is really on it. She, uh, she, she, she may, may figured out that the timeline doesn't add up. Don't thank me. Thank Keiko. Have <laughs> <laughs> ever talked to that ballerina of yours? Not since I left Earth. Uh, Although I masturbate to her constantly. Maybe you should. Well, maybe you know, sometimes it's different scenarios. <laughs> Mostly feet things. Yes, of course. <laughs> well, usually in a shoe store. I've got socks. <laughs> I have a very complex hologram uh, program set up for her. The pause in the middle really. Why, why would she be the one that comes down there? Yeah. Ambassador Tisha, am I glad to see you? Chief O'Brien was infected by the harvesters when for this reason. Ship. They killed all of the scientists. Not all of them. You're too late, Sharat. No, Doctor, he's right on time. But why kill Nidral and the others? To ensure that the peace agreement between our two races will last. But would have gotten away with it too if it wasn't for you damn kids. Yeah. Well, here's what we were actually doing. <laughs> we already destroyed the harvesters. There was no reason for more killings unless It's not enough to simply destroy the harvesters. We have to be sure no one can ever recreate them. The only way to do that was to eliminate everyone who possessed such knowledge, including the two of you. But we have no use for such horrible weapons. As long as the knowledge exists, there's a danger it may be used. That's a risk we refuse to live with. I truly am sorry, Doctor. But at least you have the consolation of knowing that your deaths will be for a noble cause. I like that she's such a coward that she's like, all right, we have to execute him. Um, can you guys do it? I'm going to step back over here. I was going to squeamish about this. <laughs> so she is like, okay, I'm going to raise my finger. I'm about to. Oh, we're, oh you're almost going to be dead. When I drop my <laughs> finger, you kill them, okay? <laughs> I want to die on my feet. Even though they don't work, that was the the last axe complication. You did your best. It's been an honor serving with you. Well, thank you, Chief. That means a lot. Ah, what happened? Oh, why did we wait? Why did we wait for her to lower her finger? Oh. Commander, am I glad to see you? Uh, Chief of- 
<laughs> what, if, what if this was his reaction to having coffee so late? <laughs> he's been up all night <laughs> he's been looking at youtube videos he had coffee after 4 4 p.m can you believe it what happened he was exposed to the harvesters that should stabilize him for now he tried to listen to star trek engine hum but it didn't get him to sleep we would have been if the talani and kellerans had had their way they're killing everyone involved with the harvesters project the Talani cruiser's coming this way. They're hailing us. Ignore them. Send a general distress signal on all Federation subspace for defecting sensors as well. Blah, blah, blah. All short-range sensors are useless. Which means theirs are useless too. So I like this. You're often talking about the, the, the Cisco ability in battle mm-hmm. situations, which I haven't really seen yet. And I really like that he, he figures it out. Commander Sisko is attempting to escape. We're in pursuit. Can we overtake them? Their runabout is no match for this ship. Fire a warning shot. Confirmed. Commander Sisko is hailing us. I thought he would. By firing on this vessel, you've committed an act of war against the Federation. Commander, we have no quarrel with the Federation or with you, but we... Well, then why'd you need the Federation to come in and help you remove your stupid bioweapon? So true. You must insist you turn over Dr. Bashir and Chief O'Brien. Why? So you can murder them? Unfortunately, yes. Commander, <laughs> your officers are the only Basically. two people left who've seen the data concerning the development of the harvesters. They have no intention of using that information. You have my word. Their intentions are irrelevant. The fact is, the threat it, remains. Intentions are irrelevant. Commander, I know this is painful for you. It wasn't easy for us to order the deaths of our own people, but it is necessary. And if I refuse to turn them over? You can't outrun us and you can't fight us. We can destroy your runabout at any time. Lieutenant Dax and I have no knowledge of the harvesters. Are you willing to kill us too? We'll do whatever we have to do to ensure our safety. Commander, you are running out of options. You have one minute to turn over Dr. Bashir and Chief O'Brien. You want them? You're going to have to take us all. It leaves us no choice. The runabout is turning. It's heading back in our direction. Full stop. He's preparing to fire. Employ shields. Shields employed. Put the runabout on screen. A nice touch. They say employ shields and not raise yeah. shields. I love that their shields have jobs and I don't. <laughs> Always phasers can't hurt us. Employ shields with benefits. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> He's aiming his vessel straight for us. Man must be crazy. Like the gods. Just like slice the runabout in half. I've never seen crazy. I've never seen any race of people do that ever. And you never will see it again. Prepare to take the other runabout in tow. So her thing Although maybe that didn't have its shields up. Her thing first is fire a warning shot. And I was like, why are they firing a warning shot? Because what are they gonna do? And then they basically track through the whole conversation. But like even if Cisco was like, all right, I guess you've got us cold. You can have O'Brien and Bashir to murder them. Which yeah. she's got to know that he's not going to do. But even if he did, mm-hmm. doesn't she know she has a massive diplomatic inst- uh, incident, if not war, with the Federation then? I think that... 
Like, she would have to kill all of them. I think there's hubris with those people. What do you mean? I think she's like... I think she does think it's going to be fine. What's the what's the hubris? What do you mean? This whole episode is their hubris. This whole episode is their, like, oh, well, here's our plan. This is going to work. We're going to bring in two people from the Federation. We're going to kill everybody involved with the thing. We're going to lie to the Federation about them I being see. killed. There's going to be no repercussions whatsoever. We're going to send them this tape. They're going to believe everything we say. Even when they want to go visit the place where they died, we're going to bring them on there anyway because we have no <laughs> problems. Like, it's all hubris. Right, right. I see. And it's like, yeah, if you give us those, then it's our original plan, and our original plan is so great because we're great, and it's going to work. Thanks. Right. See you later. (laughs) (laughs) Ambassador, sensors indicate the other runabout is no longer in orbit. Then where is it? I don't know. It's gone. It can't just have disappeared. I'm picking up a warp signature. Cisco. Maybe he and the others weren't on that runabout we destroyed. They could have transported to the other runabout while our sensors were down. And then piloted the first ship by remote navigation. It's a great move. But we saw them die. That's what I would have done. I, my hubris and all. Did we? I mean, the only thing that's sort of hanging around for me after this is if they were willing to go this far, kill kill their own people, threaten a war with the with the Federation, all this shit. Kill they're all not these threatening people. a war again. They're not threatening right, a war with the Federation fine. because they yeah, don't so, think assume they it's going to come to that. But they do think that it is imperative that they kill everyone with this knowledge. Yes. If they suspect that maybe they're alive, as they imply, they it's like, well, did we kill them? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Doesn't it make sense that they would fucking send some spies or somebody to DS Nine and yeah, well, maybe see if they're alive and who knows? Try and assassinate these two. Probably. Wouldn't you do that? that well, if I was them, I would. Yeah. Well. I mean, I'd probably just take Bashir out first. Just you episode's know, over. We don't have time to find out what happens next. Make some but room. That's a plausible that thing to happen. Yeah. What's this? Something Molly made for you. She painted it herself. Oh, it's lovely. She has real talent. How's my she really patient? Wants me to drink Better. coffee all day long. Can I go home now? You should be out of here by tomorrow. I just wanted to let you know how much I appreciated what you said back on Talani 3. <laughs> the final what douchey thing he does. But it was an honor serving with me. Oh, right. And I'd like to return the compliment, if I may. It's been an honor serving with you, too, Chief. You know, Mrs. O'Brien, they say that when two people face death together, it creates a bond that cannot be broken. I never believed that until I... Julian. Would. Um, of course, you'd like to be alone. I understand. You know what? The pieces are there. Before we get to this last weird thing, the pieces are there for this to be comedic to me in the way that I think they're intending, which is Julian's kind of a narcissistic blowhard. And O'Brien's kind of rolling his eyes at him all the time and is aggravated. And it's sort of there, but I don't think they play it comedically fully. And maybe it's just that Colmini is so good at playing it real. Okay, so maybe that's it. They just heighten it and they, they find their zone and they haven't found their zone yet. Because right now it just seems like this guy's an asshole and this guy's aggravated by him. And that's all I'm seeing. 
Um, it's not like fun. He's like clearly like, oh, he's not paying attention to that this guy, his doctor, is not paying attention to the fact that this guy just got out of a life-threatening illness and wants to spend some time with his wife. He wants to still make it all about him. And it doesn't even feel like fun. It feels like, oh, God, this fucking guy. So maybe they figure out a way to, to sort of, you know, solidify that later. But I'm telling you, at this point in the series, fucking... Boot Bashir. <laughs> make up some life, you know. stickers for that. He's never going to let me forget it. So what was it like spending all that time alone with him? Oh, it was hell. Well, you can see for yourself, the man never stops talking. Now, I wouldn't mind a cup of coffee right now. Miles, you never drink coffee in the afternoon. Well, sure I do. You do. What are you, an Egypt? You do? You're not my husband. You're a replicant. Oh, that would have been a great late development. <laughs> I replaced him. Just she stabs him in the side. <laughs> I already and put it, too many chips on this. I have starts to... smoking, and it's just a robot. It's a robot. <laughs> <laughs> She's right. He did. He does. Chief O'Brien, the real Chief O'Brien, does not drink coffee that late. <laughs> Keiko, Keiko, how could you do it to, to Keiko? <laughs> uh, okay, okay. Let's do the MVC. That Nanny, who's the MVC? the MVC? Will it be Cisco, Dax, or Kieran Reese? It can't be Worf until season four, but there's O'Brien, Bashir, and even Quark. And don't forget about Odo oh, no. and Morg. What is non-MVC? Give me You know, it would be Keiko, except they fucking take it away from her in that last second. Unless you want to say that she deserves the MVC because she put it in motion even though she was wrong. But that seems suspect. I guess she maybe deserves an NVC because she's stuck by her husband, but... And then there's Cisco, who obviously makes a decision I to go I think it down. might be Julian for keeping O'Brien alive. He does keep him alive. I'm not clear on what he... What is... Wait. Did the thing that O'Brien was doing or then later doing through Bashir what, was that what allowed Dax to find them or that didn't even come into play it well it allowed everyone to find them alright so that could be O'Brien but I guess it could be Bashir also but he, if they're not there at that it. time they still activate that communication thing and only the the bad guys find them Mm-hmm. you know then it's Dax that sort of finds them. And then, of course, it's uh, it's Cisco who comes up with that, that fancy strategy at the end to save them all. Not that fancy. It seemed pretty fancy to me. Also, well, I guess it is Julian is the one who in the first place saves these fucking numbnuts people from themselves by coming up with the way to to turn all their orange tubes into green tubes 
All right, fine. It's the it's the incel. All right, you heard it here first. Bashir, congratulations. You've done it. Gross. Gross. That one leaves a bad taste in my mouth. How many Andy's does this episode get? You know, I said we should watch it, but I, I like the no, Keiko and... You did not say that. I started with, I guess, and then yeah, I sort of backed right, down okay, from yeah. it. So I wasn't enthusiastic. No. And I definitely still at an I guess. I think it's maybe even a little lower, though. It's a good concept. I also, the twist of that both peoples are collaborating, but it's in the interest in their minds of peace is, and it is in the interest of peace, but it's just like this weird way they're going about it. That's kind of a cool turn. Um, I like that everybody's chill and Cisco's chill most of the time. I think a lot of the things of like accepting that Bashir and O'Brien are dead as fast as they did and then turning around when Keiko said he never drinks coffee as fast as they did and then the coffee thing being weird is all weird writing. The coffee being thing being wrong. It's all weird writing. I don't know. I'm a little bit... I'm a little bit confused by this, but I will say, generally speaking, I kind of found it boring. I thought the, you know, them killing everybody at the station was kind of exciting and crazy. Um, and then the stuff with the ships at the end was kind of okay. Uh, I guess a 4.5. What the hell is taking you so long? It was crazy. I'm really having trouble. I didn't like this episode, I will say. So it's a 4.5. It has some. Uh, it's a 5. It's middle of the road. I like some of the stuff. Don't like a lot of the stuff. But the stuff I don't like is about equal with the stuff I do like. I enjoy the Bashir and um, uh, O'Brien relationship. And, you know, I didn't really think about it until we started the episode. But, yeah, I guess it is. It is sort of the foundation of that relationship. You certainly reveal a lot about each of the in, those individual characters in a in a in interesting way. Yeah, and it's interesting enough that I think it's not like it's not bad. It's not. Certain, I think last week's episode was bad. I think this episode is watchable. Yeah, that's fair. So I'll give it a five. All right. Great job. Good job. Can I go fight with my wife because I'm married? And I'm See going to be free and try and find a party. <laughs> Disengage. Oh, yeah.